there's just enough chill in the air, some dust, and some diesel exhaust, but I love it because it means it's harvest time. The bins are all cleaned out, or at least they should be. The service techs are all highly caffeinated, and it's time to get to it. And we're coming along for the ride. Welcome to the Harvest Trail Podcast, where we're going to meet up with the heroes of the harvest and tell their stories. In hopes that when we're done, we're all a little smarter. And now to the show. All right, welcome back to the Harvest Trail Podcast. This is a first for the podcast today. We are joined by Joshua Staley and Danny Hickox from Chrisman Farm Center in Chrisman, Illinois. We've never had a show with multiple participants before. I feel pretty honored. What do you what do you guys say? Yep, we're we're happy to be a part of it. I feel honored just to talk to you. You know, I feel honored to talk to me too. <laughs> Where are you guys going? You're driving somewhere. No, we're uh we're sitting we're sitting outside of the dealership in a nice sound booth of a F two fifty. A little bit of a middle of a cornfield, yeah. You're ready to go. You're just not going. <laughs> that's your that's your studio. I'm in the F I'm in the I'm in the F two fifty studio today. <laughs> yes. So what is going on? First of all, what's the weather out there? It's cold down here in the south. I mean it's like bitter it's cold. Like, yeah, it's like thirty two, which is like negative thirty two for you guys. Very cold. Uh harvest is pretty well wrapped up. We have about three guys still going. Uh, most of the tillage is done. Yeah, if they were going to do it, so if people's ready, it's it's time for cold weather, I guess. Well, okay, what about the doo doo haulers? Are the, do you have a lot of doo doo haulers where you're at? If they're they're out doing their job? No, no. We we we've, we've got a, a customer who's got a big. I mean, and they're and they're injecting right now. But, yeah, but no, there's not that. The only ones that have it are pretty well the sole proprietors. They just put it on their own. Okay. Okay. And, uh, yeah. It's not as much of a commercial <laughs> business where y'all are at or for or for no, sale. No. No, there's been a lot of I mean, custom applied anhydrous fertilizer been going up for a month and uh spraying, you know, uh winter winter spring. Well, well so tell me getting, this. You know, <laughs> you're so there you've got you probably got some guys wrapping up corn. How did harvest overall turn out in y'all's neck of the woods? Right, right through here. Um, generally speaking, it was really good. Um, everybody, everybody was pretty happy. Uh, earlier on, they were nervous, and and as everything came to fruition, it turned out uh, to be pretty good for them. Yeah, planting was a little, you know, hit and miss from a date from a date standpoint. And then, depending on where you are in the state, we we had some some drought. And so, uh, but it sounds like your folks, for the most part, avoided that. Yeah, we were in a. We were in a good area this year. We were in a good area. We, our, our most of our customers got got really lucky. Anything unusual about harvest this year? So I, you know, I've heard things like, uh, well, you know, I had stalks. My stalks this year broke up easier than in the past. Um, you know, some of the drought had some had effect when we were filling ears. Uh, well, well, you know, I know every year is its own uh, its own beast. But uh, what was only, this year? The only thing. Uh, the weird thing that happened uh, was some of the corn didn't dry it down because it got a some of it got frosted when it before it got black layered. Huh. So some of it was slow to dry down. But as far as our harvest, uh, 
I've never seen a, a year when it went so many days. Most most people may have harvested for six weeks, and there was only two days that they couldn't harvest because of rain. This this really was a weird year in that respect. I I don't know how people made it without coffee and energy drink. Yeah, yeah. So that's this one thing I'm telling the customers is we need to check your combines out because most people, other than greasing their combines, they never took time to ever look at anything. As long as it was running, they ran. So uh, it's a different type of a reason, but really people need to really look their combines over because they did not check them over during harvest. Well, you t- normally you'll, you'll get a rain, you're out two or three days, you have time to check them over. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a big one, and every everyone's exhausted. Imagine your shop is exhausted; they were running, keeping everybody running, and it was just a it was just a constant, constant thing. So, so now as as we're getting done, yeah, there's an opportunity to uh, to get the machines checked out. Tell me, in addition to just running without a break, it's a big advantage to get the machines in early. Tell me about it. Well, there's. You know, in the post-COVID era that we're in right now, you know, one advantage is you find it, you got time to ensure the part will be in. Yeah. You know, with part supply shortages and and whatnot, guys are wanting to get their stuff in to get it looked at, get get parts on order early. And and particularly with things like planters, you know, if you want to, because we know that that supplies of new inventories, they're going to be restricted. And it's, it's not one manufacturer, it's all of them. But... If you, instead of buying a new planner next year, if you want to make major modifications, make some changes, that's going to require time to look over what you have, uh, to order those parts. It's not something you can do eight days before you plan on planting, is it, Josh? No, no, no. But that won't stop some people from trying. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got some of those too. Hey, Joshua, I wanted to know if you could, uh, you know, come in and replace all my double disc openers. I'll start planting tomorrow at five. (laughs) Do I get a free koozie? Yeah. Yeah, it used to be if you was wanting a new planter, you know, you, you you knew, well, I need to order one, you know, eight, nine months in advance. Now it's almost like if I want to retrofit my planter, I need to start this process eight to nine months. Same way with, you know, ordering. If you need to go through your planter and order, you know, yeah, that many disc openers, you, you may have to start, you know, nine months ahead. It's just a different time we're in. There's not a lot of rhyme and reason to it, and it would be futile for us to expect there to be. Uh, the main thing is, is plan ahead. We should be doing that if there's an equipment shortage or not. Plan ahead, research early, you know, make be proactive. That's always a good idea, no matter what you do. So, so yeah, we went through we went through a time when it was just the electronics that was shortage, and now it might just be a. A disc opener, just something simple. You, you know, and the customer doesn't realize. Well, sure, they can still make disc openers, and <laughs> the customer. Know, I kind of thought that too. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, this is a shortage of circuit boards. Okay, how many circuit boards are in a disc opener? <laughs> not many. No, there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it. We just we know that supply chains. Everyone kind of got caught off guard. And, uh, and it will take some time to catch up, but we will catch up because it's kind of like, you know, you know, first person to the pump, they're going to, uh, 
somebody's going to have things for sale. And, and, and luckily for you guys, you, know, you sell a variety of different uh, products and different lines and different brands. And there will be things available. And, and since we're on that subject, what do you got out there? I know you got stuff on that lot. What's, uh, what's for sale and, and, and who should really be looking? Well, that it is, uh, the supply chain is gradually coming back. More so uh, in the small compacts, and this is, uh, there's starting to be a supply of those. Um, our JCB line, uh, we're retails pretty well everything before it gets here. Um, the bigger the tillage, the shorter the supplies there is. Yeah. Uh, used equipment is, for the most part, pretty slim. Um, things don't last long. So uh, if you're looking for something and you see it, you better buy it because the stuff's not lasting. But, but it, there is, the supply chain is gradually building up. It is coming back. I really think everybody needs one of those little compacts. I really do. They're just, they're just too darn handy on your farm. And, uh, you know, you, a lot of farmers, you go out, you know, occasionally you'll run into a guy who's got a, an old backhoe or something like that. But the amount of money you'd invest to have a backhoe on the back of a little GC tractor because you wanted to do a project or you wanted to go down and, and unplug something or something like that, you want to run power out to the shop, um, uh, those things are mighty, mighty convenient, and and they're priced good, and they're tough little tractors. You got a uh, you got a handful of those that somebody could stop by and pick up. Yep, yep. We're 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 stocked up at the moment, um, pretty decent on some subcompacts all the way through the compact line. Then you start getting into the bigger stuff, like Danny was saying, is when when you start still feeling uh, that that supply chain shortage. But small stuff, or or even. Um, you know, skid steer attachments and things like that, uh, tractor attachments, they're starting to get a little bit better um, from from some brands maybe. But, uh, yeah, we're starting to get some equipment back on the lot. feels good. feels good to have something back on the lot. You know what I did? This is probably not authorized by any of the manufacturers. But I, uh, I, took, my, I took my tractor and I uh, mounted a ball hitch on my bucket, on the top edge of my bucket to move trailers around on the property. And I got to tell you, that is the nicest. That's one of the, that's one of the best ideas I've ever had. You know what? I'm going to text that to my (laughs) wife real quick. One of the best, one of the best ideas I've ever had was mounting a ball hitch on the front loader of my Massey Ferguson GC tractor, because, you know, I'll park my, I'll park my hauling trailer or park the boat or something like that in a place that is inconvenient to my wife she say, will you, will you go move that? Well, the opportunity is, you know, I'm going to go out and put the car on it, put the truck on it, and move it. Or I just get on the tractor and pull up and just move it around anywhere. And uh, and you could just, ba- you could back it anywhere. There's just so much use for those tractors. And, uh, you know, every farmer that I know that has them, I use them to clean up grain spills, use them to move things around, dig things, pull things, put a mower on it, use it to mow the ditches or mow the mow around the property, just an incredibly capable little product. Plus, you know, you can buy it for your spouse or for your oldest child and be like, look, this is your tractor. Enjoy it. Go mow the property. How would that go over? (laughs) Here you go, honey. Go mow. 
I actually delivered one with a red bow on it one time. It Did was you a, really? a present to her husband. And, oh, okay. Uh, and she, it was a birthday present, and she, uh, she we kind of kidded about a bow, and she said, well, could you do that? I said, sure. And I went and got a great big red bow and delivered her the red bow on it. Ah, it's nice. It's nice. Now, if I bought one for my wife, it would be like buying my wife like a, like a skill saw. Here you go. Look, look what I got you, honey. <laughs> I got you a skill saw. <laughs> Don't worry. I know how to use it. <laughs> so going into next year, we, we, um, farmers are, farmers are coming out of, um, this year with good grain pricing. The, the nutrient headwinds is not enjoyable, but by and large people I'm talking to, they're locked in, they've made calculations for what they hope their profitability is going to be next year. They got to spend their money. Where is that money best spent, Joshua? Christmas Farm Center. Yeah, well, you know, I was going to, you know, there's like no bias. So so if it was you, where would you put the money? Would you put it in the planter? Would you put it in the creature comforts of the tractor? What would you do? Well... Each operation is going to handle that a little bit different. We do have guys coming in, like Danny said, with you know talking about planners and the lead time on on getting a new planner. Um, we got guys that are they're looking maybe a new planner, but are deciding to put some money into retroing theirs, um, and then they'll get theirs on order for the following season or something like that on a new planner. Um, we're starting to see some of that, and then you know you got the guys that are uh, trying to get in that new combine to get. Uh, a new combine for next year. Yeah. Some new, some new big tractors too. Yeah. There, it, it just depends on the operation. It really does. But we've, we've got guys doing just about everything. Um, if, if your brother-in-law drives the combine, you can uh, skimp on getting the new seat. But if you drive yeah. it, <laughs> if you drive yeah. it, <laughs> your brother-in-law, you give him the milk crate. <laughs> you drive it, get the uh, heated and air conditioned. Uh, who makes that seat that you sell? The heated and air conditioned seat for the combine? Yeah, that's what you need. That's 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 yeah. if you're going to be driving it. <laughs> so, um, so as we as we finish up right now, one thing that I was interested in is storage. You know, we produced a lot of grain this year, um, and you know there were some bottlenecks going on with being able to get the grain away. Uh, what are you seeing? What are you seeing now? Are the bottlenecks started to open up as we get closer, as we get harvest completed, or is it going to be grain pits for a while? Um, yeah, pretty well. That that was what made harvest last an extra two or three weeks, is because the train we had here where we're at, it's not the river, it's the, it's the trains. Which really was affected by the river, probably, but. But you know, a, a train is three hundred thousand uh, bushel, a hundred car train in a day. An elevator could take that in, so they're just back to full again. Wow! But uh, no, I have, I still have numerous customers who will tell me they've been done for two weeks. They may still have two or three trucks that in their shed full, uh, waiting to unload them. So it's, it's still the elevators are still full, uh, but it'll, it'll get easier here. But, but. You know, we're only 30 days away from people hauling in for January contracts. So yeah. it's, it's going to be tight going through the through the spring. Wow. Now, now you know, one thing going as we do go towards the spring, um, some of the things going on. So, so here's a question for you. Managing the nutrient headwinds. What uh, What's going on in your area? 
I've heard so many things this year from manure, cover crops, you know, locking in pricing, um, a, a strip till. What do you? Uh, what are your farmers looking at? What did they try this year? What works and what doesn't? I don't see very many changing from what they were doing a year ago. Uh, cover crops is is gradually, gradually growing. Uh, strip till is another one that is is growing. It seems like the younger generation is more into the uh, the strip till. It, it works. Um, Different, yeah. The manure, the manure works, but we're around here. We just don't have the access to the manure. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I think going forward, I think the younger generation are going to be into all of that to cover crops, even putting in hog operations. Even if they're not into having hogs, they see the benefit of having hogs to uh, get the nutrients at a better price. When well, you you guys both talked about uh, upgrades to the planters the just level of precision that can now be applied to each seed, you know, a, a thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar change in your planter could be a hundred thousand dollars in your in your bank account. What do you think is the biggest uh the biggest impact upgrades on the planter that you guys do? Well there's they're getting to be more that originally the, the downforce, the delta downforce for precision was probably your biggest bang for your buck. Uh, it still might be, uh, but but there is uh, the the new downforce on the closing system is is a, another one that seems to be paying off pretty good. Um, you can't really go wrong with any of them. I think they're all money well spent. Uh, any of them you do, uh, and I think that is probably the best. If you have money to spend and there's not products to buy. Uh, putting putting those upgrades on your planter is probably the best way to spend your money. Yeah. You know, we did some demos um, on, on some different different colored planters, and uh, we just did some some static uh, closing systems. Put on a handful of rows and uh, went out there, pogoed it, and run it through. Uh, took it to yield, and I think. If I'm not mistaken, I think everybody that demoed ended up buying it, and we've sold a couple other uh, closing systems just from uh, that demo. Um, so, they're just brilliant systems. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, it's, they're well. There's there's a couple things a guy can do to, to demo out there, and that's one of them uh, to get onto some ke- some competitive farms. But yeah, that that precision stuff's just amazing. If you got a good toolbar, it's amazing what that what that thing can do. Are you going to do demos next year where someone can yeah. maybe come out and see a field plot or something? All they got to do is contact the shop and and you'll let them know when you're going to do a uh, a demo. So uh, we're I don't know that we're going to have a plot like that. The demos that we're doing are on uh, on planters on competitive farm, and then we're taking it to yield. Uh, there will be opportunities that somebody can come see. You know, we can always take somebody to a friendly farm that we know has equipment if they if they want, but. We're not doing a field day demo in that in that sense. More of a customer to customer demo. Let them see it on their land. Thing. Yeah, no, that's yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. On their on their land on their field next to their other row units that don't have this, and then they can take it to yield and see the difference in their seed on their land. They got the same rains and all that, and it's it's worked pretty good. Oh, that's an you awesome know, opportunity. You can be very nervous selling somebody sixty. Plus thousand dollars worth of stuff to put on their existing planter, uh, 
uh, you think, well, you know, are they going to see a benefit from this? And I can tell you that I've never seen anybody yet that we put it on their planet. They're not, they're not so happy to spend that money because it, it, they get it back. Uh, so that's, that's, that's something to feel really sure about. You know, it's a good product because everybody likes it. You know, I went to the Precision Planning Conference a couple of years ago, and and one of the things that I just I just loved about the discussion was just getting a deeper sense of your field, because you're not just upgrading your singulation, you're not just upgrading depth, you're getting a sense of where the moisture line is, you're you're getting a sense of where compaction is existing across the field. You're knowing the farm that you that you farm in a way you could never know it before. What is that? How does that change the decision making of your customers? Yeah, you. We just used to go out and plant, and you know, you'd go out and check your dig up your seed, think it's fine, and you would watch it come up, and it looks fine, and you would harvest, and everything looks fine. But now you're right; you're actually looking at where that seed is in the ground. As you're going through the field, you know where your seed's at. You know how much moisture level there. And and, and you know you can be, have confidence that every seed is spaced perfectly at the right depth. And, you you know, I've planted thousands of acres. And, and you, you you know you're planting. You think, oh, it'll, it'll be all right. But you're, you're always a little bit of uh, insecurity because you don't know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. Yeah. But when you plant with precision, you can feel assured that you have done the best that you could possibly do. I mean, the weather we don't we can't control the weather, but you can control every other thing about planting with precision system. Well, I mean, you know, at that same conference that I was at in uh I guess it was 2020, um they had you know, they were talking about setting the system to where you could hit the moisture line. And you know now we're not even talking about weather. We're talking about getting the seed to where it can take on moisture, and you know to an extent you're not looking at the sky the same way you were in before because you can get that seed, you can get that seed, and you can measure where that moisture line remains in the field, and and then gain the if if you can go shallow somewhat and have that seed closer to the warmth of the sun then you can take advantage of those extra emergence days or extra growth days because it's able to emerge faster. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely brilliant how good the science has become and how good precision has backed that up with their, uh, with their uh, machinery. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's been really good. It's been really good for our customers. And like Danny said, you, it's enjoyable to sell something to somebody that, you know, you feel very confident about, and you know that it's going to help them. And then, and then to see them come back again, and you know, add a different part, or or just talk about how much success they had with it. It just feels good. Well, I got to say, we can't uh, have too much of a discussion on the growing environment without talking about the evolution of tillage practices. Now, gosh, over the just the past ten years, we've had. Minimum till, vertical till, multi-action tool till. Where are we at today? Where are your farmers at? Are they? How are they dealing with the residue? Are they dealing with the residue? Um, what, what's going on in the world of tillage around around your dealership? 
Well, that's a funny question because typically most of them are still, the vertical tillage is still the, the hottest item out there. This fall, I will tell you, because the last fall was a wet fall, and it was too wet after, to, after harvest to do tillage, there was probably more deep tillage done this year than probably in the last 10 years. Really? Uh, but saying that, we will go right back to the vertical tillage. But, but no, the vertical tillage, um, there was a guy here just, uh, we hired a new guy that worked here several years ago or as a setup guy, and he says, we're not setting up there as much tillage as we used to. And I said, well, it's changed because we don't have the tillage. Uh, vertical tillage uh, and then strip till bars and, you know, cover crops, there's, there's no tillage. So we don't have the tillage that we, we had years ago, but it, it's working. With today's planters, um, today's planters, you can do whatever type of tillage you want to do. Yeah. Uh you do not have to work the ground as much as we used to in the past with our planters we have today. So that's really led into less tillage, I would say, is, is the planters we have today. Well, and we know guys, depending on the situation, are dealing with, particularly if they're doing corn on corn, they're dealing with a lot of residue. Uh, we are starting to see some weed resistance pop up. And, um, you know, I, I guess tillage is just one of those things that evolves Every few years, there'll be a there'll be a new approach, a new attempt, um, or a new situation we have to respond to, and uh, and you guys will be at the ready because they still haven't come up with a weed that's resistant to iron, have they? <laughs> no, no, no. And, and you know, that's the evolving thing that is that is very true. It uh, you don't know, you just don't know when that cycle is. But yes, it will evolve around to you know, no till was here seventy eighty. Years ago, there was such thing as no-till. Most people will not believe that, but there actually was. And it went away for many years, and then it came back. And, uh, yeah, there will be it, – it just is in a cycle. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit – I don't know if you know this, but I'm a bit of a trailblazer because my cornfield is no-till because I was uh, too lazy to till it. But I also have cover crops, which some people call weeds, that grow in between it. So, uh, you know, when it comes to sustainability, I really am the, the tip of the spear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you, uh, you are a leader in, in, in all that. I, you know, most people follow you. I feel uh, like there's a do. grant. I feel like there's a grant somewhere out there for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys, for, for people who have not been by the dealership, I got to say, you have one of my favorite buildings in all all of ag machinery. Can you just take a second and share with the listeners the the story of your building? Because it really is cool. Yeah, the, the building was built, I believe, back in the 50s. Um, I was told that it was, it was either a car dealership for just a second or it was intended to be one. But very quickly, um, the Massey Ferguson corporate um, made it a corporate store, so it was it was a true Massey Ferguson company owned uh, store, and then it went through multiple um, private owners. I think we're the third uh, or fourth, uh, but it's a it's a Quonsa Hut building. Um, you know, you can still go through the parts bins and see that all the hand painted numbers, and it's all you know built out of wood, and it's it's really neat. Um, it's historical to the area. And when we bought the dealership, 
um, you know, half of the people said that we need to do upgrades, and the other half said, don't change anything about the building. Oh, man, and, I love uh, it. We kind of, yeah, we kind of tried to do a little bit of both. So we got a, we got a new... Uh, we got a new roof put on it, and we put you know a new a new storefront on it to to make it shine a little better than it did. But it, it is still the same building; it's got the same heritage feel that it always had. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty important to the area, and it's it's more important to uh, our customers and the community than than a lot of people realize. For those for those of y'all listening, if you haven't seen it, it's you've got pictures up on the website, I'm sure. But uh, yes, sir, Crispin Farm Center, that the building. And and I will say this, Joshua, is that you did put the storefront on, but it looks completely appropriate. Like it doesn't, right. it doesn't, it, it looks better than if it was just the Quonset. And so, yeah. Uh, but you've got we took actually they'd always had they'd always had a storefront there, and we actually took an old picture of what the store looked like originally and used that as inspiration when we uh, when we you know did some some rework into it a little bit. Well, I got to tell you, my my favorite thing at your dealership is to go back in the parts department with those hand numbered did did somebody like carve them or something like that but there's you go through the bins and it's like hardwood uh stained it it really is a level of craftsmanship that you don't see in modern in modern stores that uh it just you can go in there and you can just feel the history of the just generations and generations of farmers who got their parts there, who, uh, you know, this was their, this was their place and, and very meaningful in the Massey Ferguson nation. I just think it's, I think it's something else, quite a beautiful building, but you, but you've had a lot of developments and more, more in the future. What, uh, what, uh, what, what are you cooking up these days? Well, we're always, we're always looking to, you know, I don't know, add a line here or there, find some new way to, to take care of a customer or customers bring in an idea. Um, have you heard of this or have you seen that? And we're always doing whatever we can to take care of the customers, really. that's We try to be a very customer-focused business. And, uh, you know, we're a single store, and and we put our customers first. So whatever the customers are needing, we're, we're trying to figure out how to take care of them. Well, one of the best additions that, that every dealer makes is looking for good, sincere, committed techs because that's that really is the heartbeat of a lot of dealerships. You have uh, opportunities for people from time to time to come be part of your team. Yes. Yep. Yep. We're always uh, we're always taking applications. We're always taking resumes and and uh, holding on to them and coming into next year. Um, yeah, there may be an opportunity to even uh, expand our shop and and add some text here uh, in the near future. Well, and working at a single-store dealership uh, with a very farmer-focused mindset is a, is a heck of a way to spend your career. So, um, so with that, some kind of parting thoughts here for, for farmers as they plan going forward. A couple of things that I heard you say. Get your orders in early. Invest in the planter where you can. Have a conversation with the dealership as soon as possible because of the inventory shortages that are going on out there. What else? What other takeaways should people be thinking about as we head into twenty twenty three? 
Well, there's a lot of unknowns, and uh, the farmers know that. There's a lot of unknowns about next year and the next year. Uh, just just like the practice, farming practices evolve, uh, so does everything else. Corn will not always be at six, seven dollars. Beans will not always be at fourteen and fifteen. So, you know, uh, just you know, if you, I've, got, I've had customers that say I've got more money this year to spend than I've had in a long time. And I said, well, then you need to take advantage. Because a lot of them are younger, younger people. They've not seen the evolve of the different, different levels. I said, well, now's the time to buy. I said, because next year you may not be able to. And uh, so, you know, everyone is a different situation. Uh, most of them, if they've been there a long time, they, they know what they need to do. But uh, say, now may be a time to, to make an investment in something if, it, if you need to. And, uh, if you do, let us know. We'll try to, to find what you need. That's, you know, it's not, you can't wait till December 25th. Uh, if you need to do a purchase this year, we we need to start now so we can, we don't have it, we can maybe find it for you. Now, the market's going to go up, the market's going to go down, there's going to be equipment available, and there's going to be uh, a lack of equipment available, but it's always good to have a partnership. And Chrisman yeah. Farm Center and Joshua and Danny, you make uh, excellent partners for the farmer, and I'd encourage everybody listening to uh, go take a look online or stop by the dealership and see what's there to invest in for next year. And you heard it here, Danny will put a big bow on it if you get it in before Christmas. <laughs> That's right, I will. Guys, thanks so much for being on the show, and thanks so much for uh, for how you serve farmers. Thanks, Jeff. Yep, Appreciate thanks, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I know I did. I also hope you'll keep tuning in for more insight, discussion, and maybe a few laughs. And if you'd like to join us on the program and tell us about your harvest, just send us a message by connecting with us on social media. The Harvest Trail Podcast is a production of Agricultural Dealers United and brought to you by some of the best dealers in the business. You can find previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform or at theharvesttrailpodcast.com. The show's produced by Rich Williams, and I'm your host, Jeff Michaels. Until next time, may your bins overflow and the fuel bill stay reasonable. May the bean dust stay on the outside of the cab and the stalk stay out of the tires. And may someone else have to blow out the radiator. Have a great, safe, enjoyable, and bountiful harvest. From all of your friends right here at the Harvest Trail Podcast. <laughs>